Evidence and Answers. Raising children can be a daunting task, and in a society where everything appears to be acceptable, can frustrate even the strongest believer in Christ. The politically correct lie that gender is a culturally bound social construct was shown to be just that a lie. Because life doesn't work that way. You're listening to Evidence and Answers with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author and teacher in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on Evidence and Answers, Pat Zucran and his guests, Tom Cole and Sue Bolin, will continue to tackle another ethics-related topic. Pat is currently going through a series that focuses entirely on ethics. The topic today is Raising Gender Healthy Children. There are wide variations among children, but we are still able to apply biblical truth from a Christian perspective to give sound advice on this important topic. Here's Pat and his guests now. Tom Cole, the Director of Living Hope in Arlington, and he's back with us again. And also with us again is Sue Bolin, my colleague from Pro Ministries and a member of the Board of Trustees of Living Hope. And welcome back, you too. It's good to have you again. Great to be back. Thanks for letting us come back. Yeah, today we're talking about raising gender-healthy children. You know, there's a lot of concern among parents and families of raising kids with a healthy understanding of their masculinity and femininity. Sue and Tom, what do we mean by gender-healthy? Well, my perception on that is that um, if kids, if little girls enjoy being girls and little boys enjoy being boys and they connect well with their own sexual identity um, and their own sense of belonging to, you know, girls belonging with girls and women and boys belonging to the world of boys and men, then they're going to be gender healthy and they're not going to be plagued with self-doubts and trying to prove themselves. And we, there's a lot that we can do as parents to build gender healthy kids from the inside out. It starts the day they're born. Yeah, and children struggle with that. Tom, you shared last week how right about at puberty, they really begin to question and want to experiment with their sexuality and a lot of them are confused at that stage right and and my confusion started very early on and um i i just never felt like i fit in the world of men or of boys so they were mysterious and otherworldly and girls were familiar and so um that's why i found myself drawn and pulled in that direction yeah, and you had a distant father so you seem to attach more to your mother and the uh, girls uh, in the community. Absolutely. Well, I guess the question is, how do you build gender-healthy kids? Well, I think there are three parts. Um, first of all, it starts with our relationships uh, as husband and wife with each other and then healthy relationships of parents with children, because uh, especially same-sex parents and children. Uh, what we've discovered is that a hurtful relationship with the same-sex parent is often the number one element in a later development of homosexuality because little girls need to connect with mom and little boys need to connect with dad. And there are many ways where that disconnect, <clears throat> excuse me, that disconnect happens. You know, sometimes it's physical absence. Most often it's emotional absence or or people just being so different that instead of the parents setting themselves aside and say, well, you're different than how I am, but I'm going to cherish you just the way you are, then they're kind of in their own their own world. But when, when mom and dad love each other and provide a very safe and secure foundation as a marriage, and then each of the parents relates well to the kids, wisely and well, lots of warm, loving affection, that's really key. Um, one of the things that 
a very wise person has said is that both boys and girls need a daddy's approval, acceptance, and affection. Those three A's are desperately important. We especially we all need it from our moms, but in order to be gender healthy, we need it from our dads because it's the father's voice that calls out gender in both boys and in girls, which is why as people, as homosexuals come to faith in Christ or start walking in closeness with Christ and they start hearing their heavenly father say, I made you a man, I made you a woman, then they can receive that gender identity. So first of all, it's about cultivating warm, affectionate, and respectful relationships. Secondly, we need to cherish and support our children's gender. And that means understanding that boys are different from girls, and that is okay. And um, to celebrate who they are, that, that whatever kind of boy you are is fine. Whatever kind of girl you are is fine. It means that that w- moms often need to zip our lips when it comes time for our little boys to try to, you know, climb a tree instead of saying, no, 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 you can't do anything that's good, possibly could hurt you. We just need to bite our tongues. I yeah. love what John Eldridge says in Wild at Heart, that one of the roles of fathers is to protect children from their mothers, <laughs> which is true, especially boys. And I'm the mother of two boys. I can appreciate that. Um We need to understand those God-designed differences between girls and boys, and we need to communicate to them that it's special to be a boy. It's special to be a girl. I'm so glad God made you you, and I'm glad you're a girl. and let's let's find out what that means for you. I'm glad God made you a boy, whether you are a musical, sensitive, introverted type of boy or you're the macho football player type. It's great for you to be a boy. And then third, when you see patterns of inappropriate gender behavior, we need to lovingly correct it. Sometimes kids just get, they start acting out at an early age when there's some weird relational things going on. When you see, it's no big deal for a little boy to slip on mommy's high heels and clomp around the house to try it on once or twice. And for him to go, boys don't wear high heels. It's no big deal to do it as an event. When you see him wanting to do it every day for six months, that is a problem. You know, we say things like, you know what? Boys don't wear high heels. Those are for girls. And, you know, when boys talk about things like, well, when I grow up, I want, I'm going to have a baby like mommy. No, God made it different. Boys are grow up to be daddies, not to be mommies. You know, we need to, to so correct these, things these, like these that. These teaching opportunities come up from time lots to time. And then and lots. we need to take advantage of those teaching opportunities throughout the... Uh, we yeah. really do, and we need to delineate for our kids um, what it means to be a boy and what it means to be a girl. We are in an, a something of an androgynous society where you know we feminism has encouraged us to erase the lines of demarcation between male and female, between masculine and feminine, and so. I'm, I do a lot of speaking for mothers of preschoolers, and I'll have moms come up to me saying, "Is it okay that I put pink nail polish on my son? Because that's what he asked for." I said, "No." It's not okay. (laughs) Don't go there. That's not a good thing. Do you want him doing that when he's 25 years old? If you don't want him doing it, then don't do it now. Well, Sue, what do you say to those who say, well, that's just the stereotype our culture has. Maybe in other cultures they, they do paint their fingernails or grow their hair long or... Or whatever. What, what do you have That's to say? That's a great that? question. But one of the things we need to start with is the fact that with children, we need to work with very concrete um, delineations because we're teaching kids this is the way the world works. And we're teaching, we're putting the grid work into their brains of how the world is. And, and understand that in order for them to own what it is to be a girl or be a boy, there are certain 
stereotypes that it's good to move in that direction and still be sensitive to individual uh, character traits within the kid. But yes, there are lots of cultural things that are different, but they're growing up in this culture. So we don't want boys wearing dresses. That, If they were in Scotland, that'd be different. But they're here. <laughs> All right. Well, then, let's define what do you mean by masculinity and femininity. Uh, I mean, what are your views on that? What's, what's it mean to really be a man? You know, a lot of us have that image that, you know, to be a man means you play football and, you know, John Rambo, you know, you're into boxing and sports and all that. You can't be into music and poetry and things like that. What's it mean, healthy masculinity and femininity? Why don't you answer that one? Well, masculinity, I think, is uh, in essence um, being comfortable with your manhood, you know. Um, it's, it, masculinity is to lead and to initiate and to draw out of others. And uh, so that can be done in many different ways, in many different styles. And so um, we see the masculine side of God calling us out, you know, saying, stand up, you can do it, you know, brush yourself off, you can do this one more time. And so that's, that's really what men are called to do. We're called to lead and to initiate. And really, that, that's what masculinity is. And that has nothing to do with whether you play sports or not. Right. One of the things that I've been seeing is that masculinity and femininity are both a spectrum, and God gives different people different places in the spectrum. And, for example, in femininity, on one end, you can have the really girly girl types who love ribbons and pink and bows and f dresses and love to be princesses, you know, and, and that's great. But that isn't all there is to femininity because on the other end of the spectrum are the real athletic, strong types who would desperately want to be leaders. And those are feminine girls as well. But we have – our society has bought into the lie that there's only one teeny ter uh, narrow end of the spectrum. Um, I believe that, that Jesus – showed all the aspects of the spectrum of masculinity. On one end, you've got, okay, the, the, the rough kind of, you know, guy who loves sports and is out there and, you know, can fish and be a carpenter and all those kinds of physical things. Jesus did that, and he was also at the other end the most sensitive man who ever walked the face of the planet. You know he loved music. You know he loved art. He passionately loved people. And what's interesting, because we have a lot more... And he loved children. Yes, he did. Yeah, Thank you very them. much. Extremely nurturing. Mm -hmm. Very sensitive. Um, and we see a lot more men in our ministry than women because uh, homosexual men outnumber lesbian women two to one. And so that's not real surprising. Um, but what's been very interesting is to see how many of these guys come from the other end of the spectrum for where our culture defines masculinity. And what I have learned um, is that... On the, the sensitive, musical, um, good readers, you know, the, the very tender-hearted part of masculinity on that end of the spectrum, those are the men that make the best husbands, the best pastors, the best counselors, the best teachers. And I think Satan has gone after them because we so desperately need them in our culture. We need them in our church. I'm married to one of those men who is gifted in all those areas, and he is such a man but that's the, the whole spectrum of masculinity is much broader than what we anticipate that, that it is well tom what it seems we often do is equate masculinity with being macho yeah i i have a friend he's, he's one of my closest friends who outwardly because he really connected with his mother and his sisters outwardly seems very feminine or effeminate 
Um, but inwardly, he's one of the most masculine men I know. The way I watch him lead his family, um, his wife, his children, and he really is one of the most masculine men I know. Talking about raising gender-healthy children, and uh, we talked about that it's important that boys to identify with their father and with other boys and girls to do the same. And uh, I just had a question for you both. You know, as a youth pastor, I'd often find guys who are more comfortable around girls. This one boy would want to sit in the girls' van and just constantly hang out with the girls. Should I be concerned if I was a parent or youth pastor and I saw that kind of behavior in, in, in a boy or a girl? I would be concerned, and, and I would really lovingly bring them into the fold and, it, it, with the other boys. I, especially as a youth pastor, you have influence over those kids. Talk to the other boys and talk them in. Just say, hey, bring them in, into things. You know, really let them in. He's a little shy with boys, and you got to let him be a part of what you're doing. And really, you know, lovingly, gently push that child towards the, the males and, and, and towards healthy relationships with other boys. Would you agree, Sue? I couldn't agree more. There are a number of things that can be done to prevent the development of homosexuality, or at least the identity uh, of taking taking on the identity of a homosexual. And that kind of intervention can make a huge difference because um, boys who are choosing to be with girls are doing it because they're comfortable. They're more comfortable with girls than with boys. And if the other guys reach out to them, which is huge, because he's just thinking, I don't fit in. I'm not one of the guys. That's what he desperately wants is to just be one of the guys. That kind of in- intervention can make all the difference in the world. Also, you brought that up as a youth pastor, Pat. Um, there is a, a tremendous amount of good that can be done by pastors and coaches and men in authority reaching out in a very healthy, loving way to boys that may be struggling. It's amazing how much power um, a healthy man has in the life of a boy who maybe is having a hard time connecting with he can didn't connect with his dad he's not connecting with other boys that can change the course of the whole course of his life well you know what should we do as parents or maybe as a pastor or a coach if a young teenager comes up to you and says i think i'm gay what should we do as parents or as a older person in their life did you ever what happened when you went to your parents I never told my parents. We we were a real dysfunctional family, <laughs> so we didn't talk about anything that was controversial. And so I never really openly came out to my family, although they knew about it. It was just never spoken mm. of. Well, I have a dear friend that finally screwed up the courage to sit down with his dad across from the table at Denny's and said, this was, um, I think it was in, in early college, and he said, Dad, there's something I need you to know. And he hadn't even acted out at that point, but he said, I realize that I'm gay and I needed you to know. And his dad looked away, and it was the long silence. I mean, he said it was at least one to two minutes. And then his father said, how about them cowboys? Oh, it just, it was like a knife through this man's heart. He said he had never been so vulnerable in his whole life with his dad, and his father basically slapped him in the face. That's too bad. I said, if you could rewrite that conversation, how would it go? And he said, what I wouldn't have given for my dad to say, oh, son, you must be in so much pain. I'm so sorry to hear you say that. But you know what? We're going to walk through this, and I will be with you all the way through this because I know this. I don't have any answers, but we can find some out. But I, I will be here for you. He said, I never would have gone headlong into the gay lifestyle if my father had responded that way. Fortunately, there's there's help for parents. There's a great book called Someone I Love is Gay 
by Bob Davies and Anita Worthen. Bob Davies is a former homosexual. Anita Worthen is the mother of a homosexual. And it's a fabulous book. As a matter of fact, when friends and family members come to the Living Hope Ministry in, in Arlington or in Dallas, and they say, my kid is gay, I don't know what to do. That's the very first thing we tell them is read this book because it's, it's an outstanding resource. And there are um, online resources as well. To, to help. One of the things that we love about Living Hope is that we have a very powerful online ministry with um, message boards for men's groups, women's groups, married men, married women, youth strugglers, which is the largest part. There are about 400 kids from around the world who are actively participating in message boards on how do I deal with this. And then there's a friends and family section. And so you can talk to other people who are also dealing with the tremendous difficulty of knowing. Livehope.org, yes, because somebody else stole livinghope.org right from from under us. (laughs) So it's livehope.org. If parents have some, you know, the kid comes to the parents and says, Mike, I'm gay, mom and dad. That's different than if if a youth pastor senses that a kid is, is struggling with this because the last thing you want to do is confront them. Hey, are you gay? Because all the walls are going to come up. And the best thing to do, if, if you're an adult who is concerned about um, a, a kid who may be struggling, is to address the underlying issues like, you know, I, I noticed that you're, you don't seem to connect a lot with the other kids in the youth group and are, are you not comfortable with them? And Or tell me how things are going at home or how are things going at school? Because so often they're dealing with feeling ostracized, like they don't belong. Those are the heart issues. That's the place to connect with a kid is not, are you gay? But let's talk about the heart yeah. stuff. Well, what are some other warning signs that uh, you know parents or uh, people who work with youth ought to be looking for? Well, I think um, just not not connecting well with the, their own gender and um, behavior that isn't uh, consistent with their gender is another issue. Um, in youth, they're going through puberty. Um, there's a lot of depression if they're dealing with these issues. Um, so if, if you see your child is depressed um, and not responding well, talk to them. You'll really draw them out and try to uh, get at what, what they're dealing with. Um, without confronting them and asking them directly. It's better for them to be able to share with you. Tom, you mentioned how you deal with your oldest son, who he's not by nature the most affectionate, but uh, even though he's not really that affectionate, you still demonstrate a lot of affection to him because you know that he needs that. He needs that connection, and he needs affection from Dad. Right, and and then I have another son. The next son is very sensitive he plays the violin. He's um, very quiet, um, and and I show him lots of love and affection and attention. And I do things. I include him when I'm fixing something. I say, "Come on along, and let's work on this together." And so um, we do a lot of things together. If I'm going to the store, I go out of my way to invite him to come with me to work on a project, and and just to um, just to have time with Dad. You know, especially doing male kind of things together. That aspect of being with the same-sex parent. I mean, kids need to be with both of their parents, but especially just the being with is huge. 
Uh, it doesn't matter if it's a trip to Home Depot or a trip to Tom Thumb. Just to be invited to go with mom or dad is huge. And we don't even think much of it as parents. But it's, it's a tremendous way to just invite a child to be part of our world and just being together is important, which is one of the, the reasons why the name Emmanuel as a name of God is so important because God is, just wants to be with us. And we get to do that to be Jesus with skin on to our own kids that way. Um, now, I guess we were talking a lot about youth, but what about adults? If you have a child who's already a, an adult and living in the gay lifestyle openly and, and uh, uh, is real you know, strong about his feelings and his lifestyle and doesn't appear that he wants to change, what you, should you do as a parent? Pray, pray, pray. And more. then pray the some more. <laughs> the That's honestly the key. And we yeah. kept hearing this testimony over and over and over again at Living Hope is so many people said, I am here because my parents refused to stop praying. It only takes one person. I mean, right. sometimes it's just a praying mom or a praying dad. But loving Accepting the, the the son or daughter without uh, buying into their lifestyle choices. It's almost like saying, you know, I accept you and I love you, and uh, but I'm going to be up front and say that this behavior uh, I view as wrong and try to separate the person from the mm-hmm. behavior. God right? does. Yeah. But see, that's part of the lie of the gay community is... I am gay. That that if you reject my my homosexuality, you're rejecting me because I am gay. Hmm. That's a lie because it's changeable. Um, God doesn't accept our unacceptable choices and lifestyles and behaviors, um, but He never ever withholds acceptance from us. So I I know some parents who uh, their son is involved in the gay lifestyle. And they will not uh, invite him over to the house anymore until he changes, you know, as oh. a form of, uh, I guess, church discipline. They mm-hmm. think, you know, where Paul says, you know, uh, discipline the one who is in sin and not repenting, you know, cast him out of the fellowship. And so that's kind of what they're doing with their son until he changes. Is that not the approach you take? Well, to quote Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that that's an effective tool in reaching your <laughs> lost child. Both of you as parents, so what do you say to your child, five, six years old, who's watching TV and suddenly looks at you and says, Mom, Dad, what is a homosexual? What does it mean to be gay? What do you folks say? My daughter actually asked me that. We um, and and we're, the word gay and homosexual is thrown around our household quite a bit because of the ministry we're in. Um, but we were in the car, and my wife was in the store, and the radio was talking about homosexual. And my daughter said, um, "Papa, what's a homosexual?" And I said, "Well, it's a man who loves a man the way a man should love a woman, or a woman who loves a woman like a woman should love a man, and that's wrong in God's sight." But these are really hurting people, and we need to love them and show God's love to them. And Mama and Papa used to be homosexual. And she said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kids really embrace things a lot better than we think. This concludes Pat's interview with Tom Cole and Sue Bolin. To learn more about Living Hope Ministries, visit their website. That's livinghope.org. Living Hope has a wide variety of resources available to you, our listener. Evidence and Answers is a listener-supported radio outreach. If you've been blessed by Evidence and Answers radio broadcast, please join us in prayer and with a financial gift by logging on at our website at evidenceandanswers.org. And go ahead and click on that Donate button. Our key sponsor is Highland Capital Management providing alternative investment solutions for more than 20 years. To learn more, visit them online. That's hcmlp.com. 
That's it for now. Tune in next time as Pat and his friends discuss current issues and answer the tough questions we face today. Providing reasons for faith and hope in Christ, right here on Evidence and Answers.